You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Buddy, wow, this is Dominic D'Angelo. I am of several networks, outlets, whatever you want to call them, but I am here today on the Premier Streaming Network with none other than Mr. Rob Van Dam. One of a kind with RVD. Rob, episode eight. Does it feel like we've done eight episodes? Plus an extra one, too, in the can. Right. That was not even going to be relevant if we ever do have to use it. If uh, <laughs> I'm too busy or, or something. But... Uh, I guess so, and it feels like we've been going for for a little while. It feels like uh, uh, it feels like it's becoming a little more fluid. A little, I don't know. It's like it's becoming a little more fun, you know. Like after every episode lately, it seems like um, like hey man, that was a good time just just chatting and uh, talking about stuff I wouldn't think of talking about by myself, and couldn't do it without you, dude. You're a good host. You're Thanks, a- Rob. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah. You're great to work with and everything like that. We, I, Yeah, I really enjoy doing this, and so it's been a lot of fun. And got some fun feedback and all that stuff. I'll read a few of it here today. But, uh, hey, we kind of did almost basically another episode here just yesterday. And How cool was that? We talked about Dan Masters, had Ben Masters on there, and then uh, Mr. Scotty Riggs as well. Uh, that was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I thought it went really well, and I think uh, I think that was the uh, the go away feeling from uh, both those guys too, Ben Masters and uh, Scotty Ricks too. I think everyone enjoyed the we enjoyed it. You know, those those are uh, my friends, so we enjoy being together and haven't talked to either one of them in a long time, except maybe just a text here and there. But it been uh, uh, I guess last time I would have seen Ben would have been in the probably in the TNA days, like the first time first time so like 2011 ish and uh scotty we were saying like maybe before that or something yeah or so, oh, yeah. on tna time too i think but yeah, yeah maybe he showed up like one time uh it wasn't around much yeah but he like like i said yesterday he was on the 10 year on 10 year off program <laughs> so <laughs> right. back on well yeah no <laughs> Cool to learn about Dan Masters and um, everything, yeah. the, the, like the influence that he had and, and the, the kind of personality he had and stuff like that. And you guys shared a lot of good stories. It was kind of neat to just kind of be a fly on the wall for a good amount of it, too. And, and I believe uh, his brother was watching the show as well. So he really enjoyed hearing everybody talk about Dan and uh, also is curious about the same mysteries that we are surrounding his passing so 
saw that message as well. You know, we find, yeah, Ben sent me that as well. Yeah, we out, yeah. Know? Hopefully, we can we can get do some little discovery here or something like that. But yeah, man. Oh. So uh, it's gonna be a good episode, I think. Today, uh, I don't want to you know assume anything, but uh, we have some good stuff. Uh, YouTube Chris gave me some good notes, but uh, let's. Uh, I got some feedback here from uh, that I pulled up from there. Um, feedback starting off here. We got Home Deezy Fashion Easy 5662 on YouTube two days ago. Says RBD does some pretty good impressions from time to time. His HBK impression is classic. Rob, do you have a favorite impression that you can do? No, you know what it is. I think it's just commitment. You know, like when I'm telling a story and I'm trying to get the point across, I'm just kind of like committed. That's the same. Same thing with wrestling. Um, Katie was just talking about this to somebody. It's talked about often, but um, if I'm if I'm like not in an actual match, but I'm talking over someone wants to know how to do a move or whatever, I'm always hurting people, always. <laughs> and uh, it's because I'm committed to it. You know what I mean? So like. So I'm going to tell them, you know, you grab this, grab them by the ankle right here and just like, bam, and like slam it into the ground. And, you know, and I'm not like really thinking about that. Uh, I'm going to send this person to the hospital, uh, but it happens. It happens a lot. And uh, that's something that I'm guilty of, but it's commitment, you know, so it's just paying attention and telling the stories. Um, I don't know. A lot of mine uh, sound, sound similar. See, there's distinct differences I can tell because you thought you're, yeah. DDP and Heyman sounded too much alike. No, was it DDP and Heyman or was it DDP and somebody else? But either I gotta way, be around them though. I got to be around them though a bit. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. hard. I used to do Johnny Ace all the time, babe. It was when I was around him all the time, and it was just <laughs> in my head. Like now, it's almost like I got to remember. Like, <laughs> you got to conjure it up a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. I geez, if I had to pick a favorite one, it's so far it's got. I think it's Heyman, but she took a close second. I think for me that you've done. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, Gaylord Fokker, 7992. <laughs> Two days ago says RVD's crib looks like a chill lounge bar. It, hey, Scotty said the same thing. He liked your uh, kitchen there, man. And uh, as I said, uh, you're welcome to stay over if you're not a dude. <laughs> That's right. If you're not a dude. Well, I think <laughs> Gaylord Fokker is probably a dude. So. Probably, probably so. Yeah. Yep. We talked about that on the live episode. I. I made Ben feel uninvited if he was ever in town. <laughs> but, you know. but you offered maybe a hotel or something like that. Uh, hey, yeah, I, I've lived the hotel life. To me, it's awkward. Someone wants me to stay at their house when I can stay in a perfectly good hotel right down the street. It's it's just, you know, it's uh, subjective, you know, which is, which is the uh, better option. <laughs> it's a matter of, like, yeah, being, like, privacy, too, is kind of a nice thing. And just being like, hey, and you said it, too, like, you're in a hotel room or whatever you're gonna throw your gear around hang your gear up you don't want to like have another person in there yeah I, I i'm guess. gonna i'm gonna uh poop five times a day it's not fun at someone else's house no i don't want to be yeah exactly I, no. I, i'm in the same boat i'm in the same boat. robert walker 79 79 six days ago this is a good one because you mentioned you mentioned uh, how you grew up this like in suburbia small townish area of, of battle creek and uh, this kind of reflects this. As a black kid that went to a school where I was one of a handful of black kids there. Thanks, RVD, for shouting us out. You have been invited to the barbecues for decades now. 
So. Yeah, you know, I've had a I've had a hood pass for years. That's uh, <laughs> about. I heard I first heard that like way back, like in early 2000s, 2001 or 2002 or whatever. Me and Booker would ride around and uh, run into some bros or whatever. And they're like, "Man, you always got a hood pass." I know. Every day's good in any hood. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. It's the good <laughs> vibrations. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, our, our, uh, I wonder if it's like that still. Maybe I'll find out when I go back in September. But Penfield, we had like a one or two black kids in each grade. I remember one Indian kid, uh, Sanjay Patel. Um, man, there was one other Polish kid besides me, and, uh, and he changed his name. Really? <laughs> it was Jastrin Browski, and he changed it to Jay, Bob Jay. Thanks. Well, there was one other one too. That thing, thing is, I was the Zakowskis, had an older brother and sister, and there was one other family, and it was Sabatowskis, and they had a few generations. So the teachers were confused, and a lot of times they would call me that, and it would offend me as a dumb little kid. But uh, Bob Jay should have been there and had our backs too. But he, but his parents thought, no, nah, it's too hard for people to say. But I remember, like in gym class. Mr. Larson trying to yell at me because I wasn't where I was supposed to be or whatever. And he's, he's like, Sabatowski. And I just ignore him and be screaming at me. Sabatowski! Screaming at me. And I would just, you know, casually look around because it wasn't my name. You yeah, know right. I mean? <laughs> he gets so mad. All <laughs> right, Mr. Larson. What was the uh, big ethnicity uh, contingency there? I guess it was just Caucasian white. You know, I didn't, I didn't really even notice as a kid. Like I'm, I'm thinking back at it now. You know what I mean? So I don't even know. Like I still don't even know what a Jew is. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't always think of stuff like that. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I similar to me too. I grew up in an area. We literally had like maybe like two or four black kids in our school. That was it. And then, and then yeah, and then there was a, a downtown. Battle Creek, Battle Creek Central, that's where there was a higher population of black kids. And uh, so, you know, it seemed like that's where, you know, the majority of them would be found in our city. Yeah. <laughs> just new space around. Yeah. Yeah. They probably, they probably just had a couple of white kids in their school, too. I don't know. But <laughs> it's also crazy when you think, like, segregation just ended in 68. And I started going to school uh damn you know like seven years later something like that so, yeah. yeah that's really wild to think actually holy shit yeah it's not like it was overnight like boom like everything changed you know right like, no no it, it, i'm sure gradual kind of process too very much like cannabis prohibition there's still the the oppressors that don't know that they're fighting a losing fight now and the common sense is won. so they're still in there laughing at the thought of uh, being high it just makes people laugh <laughs> Dude, it's like every day like nowadays too if i smell weed it's just like hey that's it's part of, it's what it is now you know and it's uh, like and it, yeah it's been a long time except for in 12 states that's, that's crazy it. to think yeah crazy to think. all right extreme pop 32 wait 324 23 hours ago said i'd love to see a new indie promotion if controlled by RVD, Dreamer, Al Snow, Sabu, and Raven. Uh, you would probably never want to run a promotion, would you, Rob? <laughs> you know, um, 
I don't believe in absolutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've talked about that. Yes, yeah, you've uh, mentioned it, I think, before. Well, um, but it's never been something, and at least not in my adult life, that uh, <laughs> I don't know. The more I keep trying to say it, I, I, I keep thinking, like, oh, shit, I can't talk to him. That's my lawyer, but. Um, um, I just got sidetracked. Uh, I, you know, I, I so I'm thinking a couple different things. You know, one, when I was a kid and I had the, the kickboxing ring in my yard and Kit left it there for a long time. And then I didn't hear from him. I was going around trying to promote my shows, going to the same venues that he had done shows at, that I had been with him at and trying to get them interested in doing another show. And, you know, if he left a bad taste in their mouth, I was like, no, 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 there's a new sheriff in town, you know, and that was at like 18. And then I, I did run shows with Greg Price uh, in 90, uh, 93 when I left WCW. I started, uh, I was uh 50 50 partner with greg price and we ran these shows uh and greg had all the experience in the world but you know we split up our duties um but it was our shows uh under the name of all-star wrestling might have been a couple other names too but all over georgia the carolinas um and i did that for uh for quite a while so i can't say that it's never you know been something that I've been interested in as an opportunist. But it's not something that I foresee, and it's definitely not a passion that's uh, on my front burner. If you had to say at a certain aspect of it that you would excel at, what would you think you would most excel at in that kind of realm? So in, in the wrestling industry, outside of talent, right? That's Yeah. Um, dude, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, when I, a lot of agents, when I think of the agents and I don't mean to insult any, but just from, you know, subjective to my views being there, it was, I, they, it was the kind of job that I, to me, his talent looked, they looked kind of like stooges. Um, and that's because they seemed uh, afraid, you know, for their job and, and wanting to make the right calls and hoping the matches that they got assigned to were the better matches of the night, um, which is also subjective. And, uh, you know, and, and wanting to make Vince happy and, and wanting to be on the winning side of any debate, you know, and they were just, You know, so I don't know that I would uh, uh, outside of that. I mean, it could be a real important job in Egypt, but uh, I don't think I got the patience to be a a trainer. Like I can uh, tell somebody one or two times and then I've said it like, dude, I told you not to do that. Why do you keep doing that? (laughs) I'm I'm done. Like I'm not, you know, I'm banging my head on the wall. Um, and I hurt people when I'm training them. <laughs> so I don't know. Front man, front man, president, something. I don't know. You tell me. There you go. I, I think, it. you know, if the handcuffs were kind of off of like, you know, to your point, it's like if you're an agent and you're kind of like wondering about, you know, what when the hammer's going to drop or kind of concerned for your job and well-being stuff, the pressure's off like that. I'm sure you could be pretty darn good at that, though. 
you know? I love Terry Taylor. I learned to eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but when he first got a job at WWE, and I don't mean the first time ever, but I mean when he came aboard after I'd been there for a while and he wasn't there, and he came on as an agent, he seemed to, for some reason – decided to pick me um, as as a as a project of his or something uh, because I had some bad habits. I was not always easy to find. I was out, out in the parking lot a lot when somebody might be looking for me. You know, I showed up late. I was not the first guy to want to talk over a match and at, at one o'clock in the afternoon, quite the opposite, you know. Um, and, and so that bothered me, though, you know. Um, and And I was, you know, some of the boys are also afraid for the job as talent. Some of them look at the agents like the agents are above them. And some wow. look at it the opposite way, you know, but um, anyway, um, I, uh, I, there was, I seems like it was a WrestleMania, but it probably wasn't. It was some kind of six man. I don't know. There was something. And, um, and then, um, Earlier in the day, Terry Taylor was going over this idea that he had, you know, and it was like the Dudleys, me and somebody and somebody were wrestling the Dudleys and Lance Storm. And, and, and he was like, Terry was like, is there, you know, way like if you were like thrown in, like shit canned in from the floor, you know, is there a way like you could like um, naturally like, you know, like roll on to. Lance, as I remember it being anyway, I could be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, for, you know, as a, as a pinfall, you know, for the cover. And I was like, yeah, I'll just dive in and roll into the pin, you know, and <laughs> you want to see it, you know? And I think I actually like did it, you know, and he was, he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever. Right. We had that talk. So a little while later, uh, they wanted to get down by the ring and go over shit again, which I, you know, wasn't a fan of. It just wasn't my style. And I, so I was out smoking or, or whatever. And then uh, when I, when I, uh, I, as I came in, everybody was coming up to me and saying, hey, Terry Taylor's looking for you, man. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I'd walk down. Someone else, hey, have you seen Terry Taylor? He, he was looking for you. And I was like, that motherfucker, you know? And it seemed like I heard it like at least four times, maybe five times. Hey, Terry Taylor's looking for you. Yeah, I've seen it. I'm like, okay, got it, got it. And I went out there um, and and uh, Terry's like, hey, he goes, hey, you know, I, I can't have you like, you know, I'm not able to find you, you know, when I need you. And I said, what do you need me for, dude? And I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. We all got, because it was international or something. I was like, we all got shuttled to the, to the building. It's not like I drove off. What, what do you need me for? And, and he went over and it was, it was as if he thought that he was like, I don't know, like, like making anime animated moves for a video game. Like he was being, he was being like so dramatic yeah. it was obvious to me that he felt like he was being watched, you know? And he came over and he was like, can you, can you come over and like, and if someone's throwing you in, can you like roll in and end up covering and And he's like doing all this, you know, with me. And I'm just looking at him like he's got a screw loose, you know, just looking at him. And he's like, you know, boom, you know, so not, not like this, but boom, and you end up like on top and now boom. And I looked at him and, and, and I'm like, yeah, of course I can. We already talked about this. And he goes, oh, we did? And I said, yeah. 
And I, we already talked about it. I said, I could do it. And he goes, oh. He goes, well, then why am I telling you again? I go, I think you're trying to validate your job, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and then, and then, like, uh, the next day, uh, the next TV day, mm-hmm. I told everybody that I passed. Everybody. Hey, if you see Terry Taylor, tell him I'm looking for him. <laughs> everybody, everybody. That's great. <laughs> so he's yeah. kind of like putting on a show, like uh, you know, kind of like being like. It's if as if he's being watched, and he's and he's wants people to know that he's out there trying and being and doing work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, a little extra um, work in that work. Oh, yep. All about politicizing or whatever. <laughs> oh. all right. Well, hey. Uh, so, did Rob? Did you? I obviously we talk about wrestling, but did you happen to watch any wrestling as? Before we last, oh. last week, anything pass you by? Mm, man, I turned it on for a minute and then got distracted. I can't remember what match it, it was that uh, that I watched. WWE. I'm not even sure. Yeah, um, I did want to ask. It was funny because Ben Masters, I think, brought it up yesterday. Was how uh, when you were down there, you wrestled barefoot. Um, how, wrestled how, who? You wrestled barefoot. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk about that a little bit. What was that kind of like transition out of that? And what well, what inspired you to do it at first? Was it just your martial arts background? And then what? That was it. You know, like my my first few matches wrestling for the Sheik, I had blue trunks that he gave me, mm-hmm. uh, two shades, a dark and a lighter blue, and they were so tight. And he taught us that you have to get them wet to put him on and then they were really secure and tight. And he said, that was how you do wrestling trunks. And I ordered ringside products, boxing boots. They were white. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wore like in USWA. And uh, I guess white wrist tape probably on my, on my wrist. And that's, that's how I started out when I just needed something to get in the ring and get some experience. When I started uh, trying to develop a character, uh, I already had the name Rob Van Dam, I guess. I guess that's, I guess it went along with that. Mm-hmm. When uh, Ron Slinker in Dece- November or December of 91, um, November, I guess, when we opened up the Sportatorium, he had me, uh, he called me Rob Van Dam instead of Rob Zakowski or Robbie Z or, or anything else that I'd wrestle as. So, so, um, you know, I thought it was up to me to come up with a gimmick, and I got that. Uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of who made it. It's a, it's a the the, the singlet, um, but I can't remember exactly what magazine I got it from. But I had at first, I just had a black, uh, you know, two strapped singlet. Sounds like it would be one, but it's not a doublet. It's called yeah, a singlet. Not a doublet. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, uh, in my mind, you know, I tried to get um, uh, the look that Lionheart had when Jean-Claude was in the swimming pool, the empty swimming pool fighting in Lionheart because I was a big fan of that. So uh, so actually, first, I just wore, like, uh, spandex um, pants, just the, the shorts, just the, just the spandex shorts, and then I guess maybe it evolved quickly into the, the top, the, the whole thing. But um, around that time, uh, I went barefoot and I just thought it would be 
expected because I was martial arts, you know, and I thought maybe it would help make me crazy because I dove, dove to the floor and and uh, wrestled, you know, a style like that even back then and doing that barefoot, I thought would make me look tougher. Uh, one time I was wrestling Pistol Pez Watley and I did a, uh, a step behind sidekick. We're both on the floor and my base legs slid with some spilled beer on the floor and just sliding like that, I got a hairline fracture in my foot. And uh, that's the first time I remember really getting hurt and thinking like, wow, my feet are getting pretty beat up. Cause I'd be in a cast, I was non-weight bearing for a minute, you know, and I had to go through the whole uh, healing process. And um, I, I was taping my ankles more and more and then Giant Baba in Japan uh, after a tour or two, maybe, um, told me he wanted me to start wearing boots. Oh. You know, and at first I gave him pushback, you know, like, no, I want to be different. I don't want to be like everyone else. And he was like, uh, you know, it, it's going to be better for you. It's going to make your feet last longer. He didn't, you know, he's, I'm paraphrasing, but he said that in his Baba talk. And, uh, and I'm really glad that he did, you know because my feet were getting beat up. They did even with the boots, which, cause I never wore like regular wrestling boots. Like other wrestlers, uh, especially back in the day, probably still, but they'd have extra thick soles. So they look bigger. Oh, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to control my kicks or jump and bounce off the ropes with extra thick soles. So, so I wore boxing boots. And then, uh, Eventually, when I did go to a, a pro wrestling boot company, I had them specially made with extra thin soles on the bottom uh, for my style. Wow. All right. So that's interesting because I always just thought it was like your choice. Of, ah, I'm moving away from the – but that's – I didn't even know that like, Giant Bob was – that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the, same time, at the same time, he wanted me to wear like some bright colors or something, something like that. And uh, that's when I started getting my stuff airbrushed. Wow. How about that? Jeez. Yeah. Well, um, how was it working with Bob, Bob overall as like a promoter and stuff? Like your interaction? It, it, it was great. Like I knew right away everyone that, that had anything to say about him just said he was uh, completely trustworthy, first-class guy. He's never going to screw you over. If you're loyal to him, he's loyal to you. And so – I just knew right away to expect uh, great, great things from him, you know, and um, he was awesome. That's all. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I heard too about him too, is like, I know Bruno San Martino was super loyal to him. And even when like WWE had like a new Japan connection for a little bit, he still wanted to do all Japan with Baba and then Terry Funk, I know was big on it. And yeah, there, he had that, you know, base of American wrestlers that would, would go over there for sure. Mm -hmm. It was an honor, you know, like being around Japan. If uh, if you mentioned his name, if you're, I don't know, at a restaurant or, or something, and, and they're asking, you know, if you're a wrestler, and you, you know, pro wrestler, uh, pro wrestler, pro wrestler, this, you know, or whatever. You 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 be if if you were like, uh, hi, uh, uh, you know, uh, Baba uh, Baba San, oh Baba San, like you know, he really carries a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, and Anoki as well. Those two guys both ended up splitting off and running their own competitive companies uh, from one one main tree that was uh, uh, ran under Ricky Dosa. Ricky Dosa, yeah. 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 
and, and Ricky Dozen's daughter now is in the office at um, Noah, and she's the one that um, I was working with last summer. No way. Wow. Yeah, Nasawa. Nasawa um, what is the wrestler who's a big ECW fan. They, they always wants to book these hardcore matches and wanted to book me. Um, but she was the office lady that uh, I dealt with about the flights and all the COVID bullshit and everything. But she's uh, that's what she's doing now, Ricky's Ricky Dawson's daughter. No way. Wow, that's that's crazy. That legacy's still going on, too. And from way back when like that, too. Wow. <laughs> I just read in the Sheik's book recently that he was murdered, Ricky, and I didn't know that. You know, mm -hmm. I would be curious to have that conversation with her. I think it was like the Yakuza or something, too, right? I think I, that's, yeah. I think so, yeah. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. The history of wrestling is nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, all right. Another thing I kind of wanted to, this was an interesting one that popped up here uh, earlier was um, yesterday, I believe it was, that Jerry McDivitt, the, Famous attorney for WWE. He based out of Pittsburgh too. Retired. Did you have any interactions with Jerry McDivitt at all? I don't believe so. Not that I remember. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because I mean, like, anytime WWE had a case going against them, it was like, oh, they got Jerry McDivitt. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I was curious if you had any interactions with him. But no, I don't think so. I saw him on uh, whatever the special was. You know, whether I don't know if it was. Uh, if it was dark, yeah, I guess it was. Oh, the, it was dark side, uh, yeah. Side. I think it was the big uh, steroid scandal um, case, and it, it, yeah, it made him look very powerful. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So uh, definitely a change of era here if he's done. So um, something we didn't mention too. Uh, you going to Israel uh, on September fourteenth, right? Uh, Payas Arena in Jerusalem. Uh, All Stars Israel will be the first professional wrestling show in Israel since 1994. It takes place on September 14th. Among the matches, a three-way bout between RVD, Frankie Kazarian, and Psycho Clown has been advertised for the show. Um, you've worked with Frankie before, right? And yeah, anything? yeah, yep, yep. And um, what's interesting is I've known Frankie forever. I met him way back in. Uh, California days for this group called UPW, mm -hmm. uh, which was ran by Rick Bassman. Okay. A lot, a lot of the guys, John Cena was there. John uh, Heidenreich, I think, was there. Uh, I think. Um, Victoria, Lisa, uh, Mikey Henderson. There's, 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 a few of the guys that I've just known ever since then, which must have been, I guess, probably 98. Did Joe out of there, too, for a little bit or something? I'm trying to think I think he, he was. I think he wrestled. Uh, I think so. I don't know if he started there or went through there. But, yeah, um, now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, I totally remember a specific show talking to him and hanging out with him. Now that, yeah. Um, so, anyway, that guy, Rick Bassman, is the same guy that's uh, – that, 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 that's uh, booking us for this. Oh. Uh, so I said, yes, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Cause you know, that's, I've known Frankie uh, through him. Wow. That's definitely yeah. a full circle too, right there. Holy smoke. Yeah. Jeez. You're pretty excited for that experience and stuff. Cause I think, have you ever wrestled over there in Israel? I have not. And uh, no, I'm not excited. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the travel and stuff is cool. 
that's that's mostly what it is. I mean, for for me, and uh, you said what the fourteenth? Fourteenth, yep. So on the sixteenth, I'm in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, at a convention. Oh shit! Signing autographs. So that's so I'm thinking of how tight that is. But they're a day ahead of us in Israel. Um, I'll get excited about it right now. Um, still working on making me comfortable with all some stuff like like that. So. Uh, you know, once I get there, but then, yeah, and then, a, and then right after, and I think there's somewhere right before that too. I think I'm somewhere, September 5th. Is it Orlando, maybe, or Detroit? I think it's Detroit. And uh, anyway, and then September 30th is the big return show to Battle Creek. So it's gonna be a really busy month. It's gonna be a huge busy month. That's that's some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a touch of it is all. Yeah. Jeez. It's good to be RVD though, but it is. Yeah, I mean, here's my happy face. There you go. My, my excited face. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But, you know, it's not too often I get to add a new country to uh, my list. One time somebody said, have you ever counted how many countries you've been to? And I was like, no. So we just sat there and I just started, like, sitting at the bar or whatever, just started listing all the ones I could think of. And I got pretty close to 40. And I was like, I guess that's a lot, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And have you Now, have you been to all the states in America? No. No? Okay. No, yeah. There's some I haven't been to. I, I probably have to look at a map or a list uh, in order to tell you all of them, you know? But then, but then I might be wrong about a few of them. There's always... There's always some places I might forget, you know what I mean? I think I've been to South Dakota maybe once, North Dakota once or twice. I don't know. So, you know, there's there's a little room for error there. <laughs> you know, It's tough. I mean, I can only imagine, too. You're just there. Sometimes you just go to a hotel and then you go to the arena or whatever. And so it's like, was I in a state? <laughs> That's kind of yeah. like you know, happens, but there's definitely some states that for some reason wrestling doesn't seem to go to. You know, if I've been to Wyoming, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, the fans in Wyoming could tell you, but uh, yeah, right. <laughs> there's some states like that, though, you know, um, and I don't know, I don't know why. Jeez, yeah, I know it, it blends together, I could, you know, geez, all right. It's wrestler spotlight time, and we got a good one. So this week, YouTube Chris has a treat for you. This week's spotlight is someone you knew very well. It is Katie. Hey. Yeah. So here we go. All right. Let's start at the beginning then. When and how did you and Katie meet? Um, Katie and I met at WrestleCon in Dallas in 2016. She was there at the Wildcats booth with uh, Luke Hawks. Okay. And, and I was just a few booths uh, away from her. And, uh, <laughs> no, check this out. This this guy, Brian Keenan. Yeah, yeah. He's calling right now. Mm -hmm. He was, that was the end of my sentence. No way. I swear to God, dude, I, I've been telling you, this stuff happens. It, it, this is how plugged in, in I am to the universe with that. The dude calling right before doing the Dan Masters show, you know, the all that. But anyway, I was about to say um, that I was a few tables away from Katie and I was with this guy, Brian Keenan. He was my agent. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. yeah. He calls right, right on the money. Damn. 
that, that happens all the time. Like people ask, Dreamer asked me one time because I was really starting to get into synchronicity and I was journalizing everything. Like I'd write that down because there's messages there and you can uncover it. Like uh, it gets deeper and deeper. Like you can just keep uncovering it and, and then they relate to each other, all these different synchronicities. And then, uh, you know, and every once in a while, I, I like to do that. Um, but at this time, Dreamer was like, what's, but what's the advantage? And I was like, dude, you don't understand. Like, it's like I'm plugged in to the universe and it's working for me. Like, I, I'm with the flow. He's, but what's the advantage? I mean, why? What's it? What's the difference? I go, it's just like, it's like going down the road and every light turns green for you. You know what I mean? And you, you just know that, you you know, everything is going your way. I mean, that's that's what the, the, the magic of, of this is, you know, when you really get plugged into it. And he didn't get it, you know. But I was, when I was first discovering, I was, I would have a list for everybody. I'd be like, dude, I was just talking about this guy. I hadn't talked to him in four years. And then he texted, but. Anyway, it happens a lot. Um, we just have to open our eyes to it. Uh, man, what's the first book that turned me on to that uh, synchronicity? I believe it was the Celestine Prophecy, if anyone's interested. Ooh, I'm interested because yeah. I definitely it's, like that kind of stuff. The Celestine Prophecy by James Renfield. It's a, uh, it's a fictional book, but it's about the nine insights to spiritual ascension uh, and the subject is very nonfiction. Like they tell a story of a guy going through, uh, going to Mount Pikachu or whatever, um, and um, and learning step by step all these things that a lot of us that are like-minded like this, it changed our lives. There's so many people I've met that are like, dude, that, that got me into it too because it turned us on to seeing everything as energy. And, it, and anyway, the book was so good. The movie not so good, but there's uh, there's nonfiction study guides to it as well uh, because so many people liked the Celestine prophecy. So there's like the Celestine vision and there's sequels to it. And anyway, uh, but before I get sidetracked, that's how Katie and I met. Was that uh, she was a couple of rows over and Luke brought her over. She wanted to meet me and I didn't know, but I was already on her radar. And she already had her eye on me. Um, she was training mm -hmm. at, at, with Wildcats. And she had asked Luke to bring me in uh, because Luke would bring in some guys sometimes and do wrestling seminars. Guys guys that aren't as expensive maybe as RVD. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> but she tried. She, but she, and I didn't know about that. And so, you know, Luke was like, hey, uh, Rob, this is Katie, you know. And, and uh and that boom, I looked at her and I was just like, uh, we don't shake hands, Katie. We hug. <laughs> and I was like hugging her. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, hey, this chick's really letting me do this. Like I thought she'd, you know, like I thought I was like jokingly trying to pass the creepy mark, you know. Right, yeah. She loves it too, though. And I was like, wow, you have amazing energy. Yeah. Man, how about that? that? So do you guys remember what you talked about to that day or anything like that? Or was it just a small interaction starting off? It was pretty small. And, uh, you know, she went back to her table. And then um, I believe the next day, same thing. I think she came over and said hi. Uh, just probably pretty quick. And then she slipped me her phone number as well. Um and then she was 
kind of upset that I didn't call her. Uh-huh. I didn't even know that I had it. Like she slid it in my bag or something. Yeah. But uh, WrestleMania uh, 2016 was very special uh, in, in in a not so good way for me, and, and and stuff that was it was a crazy crazy weekend for me. Not the WrestleMania itself, but it was like you know. Uh, I, I, that it's it's definitely a good chapter in my in my book when I talk about hitting my rock bottom and at the same time, yeah, dude, it, it included. Let me give you a hint. It included a thirteen hour blackout. Oh my god! And waking up and having to uh, hear about all the shit that I did, I hated myself. But uh, at the same time, it was like afterwards, I flew home to uh, to L.A where I lived at the time. And, I, you know, I was just, oh, I had the biggest spiritual hangover. It was horrible. I just, oh, my God. Um, and uh, I got a text from her, and, and she, she had a picture of her by the ocean, and she was, like, right at the bottom of my hill. Oh. So she was synchronicity as well. Yeah, she didn't know where I lived, and she she's from New Orleans. She I lived in uh, Palos Verdes at the time, and it's this big hill in the South Bay. And she happened to after WrestleMania weekend, she went to L.A. and she was visiting her friend that lived at Redondo Beach, which is right at the bottom of the hill. She sent me a picture, and I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like you're seriously, you're like five miles from me, tops. And you know, I was like, you want to go, you know, get get some lunch or something that's what happened so the universe put that one together too it was amazing that she was right there like i was like dude my house is almost in that photo <laughs> that's nuts <laughs> yeah. well what do you remember from the first date um i was there i was experiencing that spiritual hangover and i was uh it was lunch time you know like i picked her up in the afternoon and we just went to some place at in Redondo Beach um, and we walked out on the beach pretty soon we were holding hands like we it's like we knew each other like a you know a long time and stuff on the walking on, on the beach and um, and just got along like really well but but I remember like I from what I remember because my energy was so low I was trying to tell her why she should run, you know, and I was just, oh, my God, like I'm going through so much because, you know, it's the divorce and all the, uh, the, the this point that I was at where I did not feel very valuable. And so, you know, I was trying to tell her that and I guess she liked it, whatever. She wanted a project, I guess. But <laughs> but I was just telling her like and the one thing was like uh, I told her like, um, she remembers this. I d- don't exactly, but uh, I told her, I said, oh, my God. I said, I just found out what I did this weekend. And she thought that I said, I just found out I have kids this weekend. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and so she thought for the rest of the day till later on that that's what I had said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, but we went out to the beach after that. And then I was like, hey, uh, I got to go do this podcast. Uh, it was with the uh, the Shamrock girl. The, Mayan um, Shamrock? Yeah. Yeah. yeah her and uh, her man, 
Uncle Eddie or something, some name MMA, something like that. But anyway, I said, I, you know, I can drop you off, you know, back at your friend's uh, pad if you want, or if you're having fun, you know, you can come with me and then I can drop you off or, or we can go do something else, whatever, you know, and she was like, oh, I'll come with you. So I brought her with me to the podcast, you know, doing the whole headset, you know, the, the interview, I had to hold the headset. I kept, you know, like checking back and making sure she was cool. It didn't feel ignored or whatever because I didn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my evil ex was like the most insecure, insecure person in the world. She would have ten minutes and she would have left and just been, oh, <laughs> been like, "You forgot I was there anyway." Looking at that shamrock girl, or you know, what I, mean? I just didn't know. I was, I had to. It took a long time. I'm still learning how cool uh, Katie is. You know, she's amazing. But after the uh, podcast thing. Then I was like, you know, you want me to take you home or we go get something to eat or whatever. And she's like, no, I'm having fun. So it ended up being like a really, really long first day that started early. And we ended up on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, you know, having some drinks and stuff. And she looked amazing the whole time. (laughs) Heck yeah. Well, so um, after that all happened, what happened like the days following after the first date and stuff? You got to just keep in contact. And was she now, was she living in LA at the time or was she, was she living in New Orleans? Okay. She was living in New Orleans. So she was just visiting with the friend. Yeah. Her, yeah. Her friend Megan uh, lived. They're great friends, best friends. Megan's awesome. Um, I posted something. Oh, it was a, it was one of our, my videos on, when I came home from one of my trips and uh, had to stop from Japan, actually, synchronicity, we had to stop in L.A. And Megan uh, picked us up. Katie was with me because uh, we had a few hours to kill. And uh, we made a video. We're sitting up in a tree in a park just smoking and stuff. And uh, it was a fun video. Some people were, you know, wanted to know more information about Megan because she's, she's a little cutie, too. But um <laughs> She lived in Redondo, and Katie was staying there for a little while, you know, like, I don't know, a few days, four or five days. I, I don't know exactly, but but I think we ended up um, going out uh, um, a few times before she left town. And then, and then uh, not long after, uh, we were seeing each other like every two weeks, whether she was coming this way or I was going that way. Oh, okay. So that's kind of cool. You kept the communication like that too, like making trips or whatever. Nice. When yeah. did you kind of realize there was something special there between you guys? Was it on the first date or when you guys kind of first met? Like, it, when did you? I knew she was always. I knew she was always special, mm-hmm. but it did take her telling me, um, you know, that we were seeing each other, and that it wasn't that it wasn't cool to <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> to be uh, dating these other girls anymore, you know. So, uh, but when you know when she let it be known, um, <laughs> like she did, I, I believed her that she was telling me how much she thought of me, you know. And I was like, "Bah, you know, people don't just say that stuff," you know what I mean? Like she was. So I, I thought that you know, yeah, this girl's in love with me and I just believed her. She believed me. She knew I wasn't lying to her and she knew that I was uh, honest and that I respected being honest and credibility. And, and uh, I held on to it all the way down with the burden ship with the, with the evil ex. And she respected that. So even though some people would feel like, uh, 
yeah, but you could have done whatever in retrospect because your evil ex was anyway. Um, I, I wouldn't have earned the respect in myself or in Katie. You know what I mean? So she recognized that in me right away and knew, you know, when I that I, she, you know, she doesn't have to worry about me uh, cheating on her or lying to her. Uh, because I would hate that about myself, and I don't want to. I don't want to live that way. Right. I'd, rather, I'd rather bring you in and have you deal with the consequences <laughs> of something I did if I fucked up, than hide it and then just let it get toxic and stuff. And I was even like that with Evil X, and she resented it because she was the opposite. You know, that she would rather me lie to her, I think, and stuff. Uh, but that was a completely different relationship, complete different chemistry. Uh, but with Katie, uh, it, it wasn't, you know, she was special. But it, at first, it was a little rough. You know, we had uh, we had some uh, uh, some turbulence to to work through until we really really understood each other. And then, boom! Like holy crap! Like it's I can't imagine. We tell each other every day, uh, all day, how grateful we are to have each other and how much we love each other and. You know, and, and it's just it's just real. Like we have such a bond that it's like I find it it would be almost impossible for one of us to to be holding something. You know, like I, like in other relationships, and I've been in shitty ones before where I was uh, not a good boyfriend. You know, and it's like you know we the, the bond just wasn't wasn't there at all. But I, actually, I've never had a bond like this with anybody ever anyway. So um, I hope it's for everybody i don't know something to go for yeah right no and no i can tell just uh you know how little we've known each other for as short as a time it's like you guys have a great vibe it's like very good you know so yeah she's so fun and awesome but uh, but also it's putting her priority putting you know and that's something my advice my dad gave me mm -hmm. um, and that's that's why i was able to keep good values going through uh, a crappy uh marriage because my dad put it in me and made me want that, you know, and uh, he, he, and I'd already experienced, you know, being, like I said, being shitty uh, before, but uh, my dad said, you should, you know, he, 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 I believed him, you know, he's not, everyone believes this, but this is our ideology. I repeat it, you know, cause it's exactly what I got from my dad. But as far as priorities go, when it comes to, being married, I believed him. Like if someone's going to be my partner in life and hold that very important position, I respect myself enough to think that person should be very respectable. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's the queen to you being the king. But he said, uh, boom, if you can make that person your number one priority, always, no matter what, and never bring anything in between you, no secrets, no stories, uh, nothing. And, and no matter what, if she needs you, you can go to her no matter what else is going on uh, and and always, always have that, then uh, then you know that's the right person. But it has to work both ways, you know. And I was like, wow, that's so strong. And I was like, my mom and dad, they were together over 50 years, you know, and uh, before my dad passed. But I was like, wow, yeah, that's something really strong and that sounds uh, respectable, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had a good foundation for that, for sure. Then, yeah, <laughs> and, and with the bond of me and Katie, like it's just like when you when you have one that's works both ways in such a way that that you both really know it, that you know the, the that you would 
both never do anything to hurt the other one. It's just, it's an amazingly strong feeling and it, and that security is able to, uh, to, uh, throw a lot of other issues in the trash that people have in relationships, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of negative, all the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just garbage, but even like little, but even just little. It's all garbage, really, but different, different levels of it. Yeah, you know, what I yeah. mean, there's some really toxic relationships, and we know some couples, and we're just like, oh my god, these people love drama, they love punishing themselves, they love having broken hearts. I guess, holy crap, because uh, that's what they're attracted to. Um, but then there's other people where it's just, you know, some of it seems a little unnecessary, you know, and it's just like maybe some of it's timing with where people are in their lives or whatever or, you know, uh, something like that. It's funny, too, because like when you're when you're in a good relationship and you see other people's relationships, it kind of elevates like, oh, my God, thank God I'm not dealing with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Well, Talk about her wrestling career a little bit. What ways had, did you help mentor her, like in, in kind of like, you know, whether it be in the ring or just having a mentality for the business or anything to that effect? Um, not a whole lot, you know. Um, other than I think she understands my my perspective when it's repeated a lot, you know, like when we, hey, hey, hey. When it's uh, repeated, she, she understands uh, my perspective so that, like, uh, uh, when I pick things apart, if I'm pointing at stuff on TV, complaining or whatever, she gets that I feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, especially mm -hmm. stuff that's repeated, that's common. Um, so she understands that uh, a lot from having that you know, that, that advantage of being around me while we're doing that, but hands-on training, um, not a whole lot. I've been in the ring with her very few times because of like what I was saying, because I'm so stiff and, uh, and, and right away when I met her, uh, and then like the first couple of times I went to a wrestling school with her, it was in uh, LA Santino brothers. And then she's going up, uh, top rope, and do and jumping off uh, like like doing like a springboard off the middle and, and land on the guy and doing a hurricane rana and I'm like holy crap you know like I I couldn't believe that she was doing like all these moves I was like wow you're acrobatic that's amazing and then um, when I started uh, wrestling with her I realized right away that um, she didn't have the 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 foundation the fundamentals at all. And so there was like a big empty, um, like an eggshell that had these pretty things on the outside. <laughs> but right away, you know, just being just, just, you know, hey, you know, let's just do a little bit. Do, do to me what I do to you. You know, there was like nothing. And it was just like, wow, okay. Uh, and then ever since then, she says, I make her nervous. So even when she's at shows and has her matches, a lot of times she'd rather me not be there um, because. I don't know if she thinks she's going to disappoint me. Cause I, I mean, I just, I'm just like, maybe cause everyone else will just say, Hey, great job. Great job. And I'm just like, do you want to know some advice that maybe could help you get better? You know what I mean? And, and, and a lot of people hearing that, um, as much as it can help. So, you know, I, I think sometimes that makes her nervous cause she knows that I have higher standards than the other 
her peers, you know, uh, at the at these all girl wrestling shows and some of the stuff that that she's doing. So, but you know, um, she she wrestled for Wildcats and, and the fans. I I noticed right away the fans love her and and she connects with them, you know, and uh, and I see why, you know, she's, she's a sweetheart. So, um, it's awesome having her with me at uh, conventions and matches whenever I can. It's awesome uh, having her on the road with me. But she did a wow. She did a. A show for Ring of Honor out here in Vegas. She was with Impact, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that's some of her experience. She wrestles for Indies. She goes, wrestles for uh, Giant Kali in Australia. Oh. And she wrestles for like RCW in Texas quite often. And uh, um, and she just she takes bookings like, like an indie wrestler. And I've seen her um, all along the way uh, improve and get more and more comfortable. Um, just like you do, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's amazing that she went straight to those hurricanes and now her feet don't uh, leave the ground as much. She's not a high flyer as much once, once we got her comfortable with, you know, more what's her comfort zone. So, uh, that's changed, but, um, uh, but, but yeah, I'm not, not, and I said earlier, I don't know if I'm that good of a teacher because of, like I said, you know, I can, I can say something a couple of times and then if you don't get it, I don't understand why, why you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'll show you and then I'll hurt you. And then, and then that's, then you're not having fun anymore. You know? <laughs> well, that's pretty cool though. Um, talk about your guys' decision to get married. How'd that all come to be? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of, of how that did come to be. We just, uh, she ended up moving from New Orleans into my house on the hill in LA, uh, for a while. And then we moved together from there to, to Las Vegas. And, uh, we'd been uh, together so long. Uh, I considered her my wife. I can't remember who. I can't remember when the decision uh, was made or talked about. Uh, I don't know. That's a, is that, it seems like that's a weird thing to blank on, but I don't know. No, what the but it makes is. sense though because like if you guys are having like just this organic relationship and you, you're vibing with one another, it's like, and you to what you just said too. It's like you already felt like you were married to her, so it's like it kind of just goes like that like the universe kind of connects like in that in a lot of ways it was it was really organic but she did always um take the uh, take the driver's seat and she was aggressive and and uh if i remember right i think that we we slash she uh already had like the rings ordered and i and so i or we had already gotten them uh and, and so I felt like there was a limited time to where I should, uh, you know, I should uh, ask, you know, pop the question and and, and do it now because uh, there was some dates that sounded good that were in mind. And then plus mm-hmm. it was like uh, I wanted to ask around Valentine's Day because it was like one of the only days before there's something that was coming up and she was going on the road for two weeks or whatever. So, so it was kind of like a quick uh, – Thing. It wasn't like a big on my knee in the front of the town square kind of thing, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, I already had she had already um, uh, we had already ordered the rings, you know, but she was on top of that because it was her brother-in-law's dad, I guess, 
I don't know what that would be to her if that's an uncle. But anyway, they, they, they made rings. And so, so uh, I guess our conversation must have led to, to where it was comfortable to uh, go ahead and, and be prepared. And just so whenever you're ready, you know. <laughs> and it just worked out like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys do anything special for like the honeymoon? Go anywhere at a favorite place? Or Not yet. We're still trying yeah. to. Yeah. You know, we've had a lot of awesome work trips. We're very fortunate to to get booked and go to some really cool places together. Um, but we have yet to go somewhere just for that purpose. Uh, I, we were before that it was going to be a, a divorce um, trip. Yeah, go to, go to Hawaii or somewhere where neither one of us has been somewhere tropical, uh, but we we never got that. So then it became well slash honeymoon is what we'll call it. And then now we're still we're still like we still look at the schedule and say you know what about you know what's you know what's August this look like you know are you free here because uh, because we've been busy. But like I said, we, we've been very fortunate to go places together. You know Australia, the UK. Um, you, you know really cool places and and uh and work there too which you know she's a hustler she probably want to do a signing uh, at our at our honeymoon vacation anyway if she got it <laughs> 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 yeah. nice. yeah. um you mentioned this uh one on one of our early episodes too um how would like your recent run an impact with Katie. How did that all happen? Uh, were you two booked before the other one before the other? Or did they bring you in together? How'd that kind of all happen? Um, it seems like I was there first. Uh, Sabu and I did a match with uh, Pentagon and his brother. Yeah, Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix, yeah. And um, I think it was at a WrestleCon uh, weekend, something yeah, like that. That sounds yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was shortly after that that uh, I guess they were in town because Scott Demore um, met with me um, at at the Nerd Bar. That's like the only place I go whenever I leave home because my friend owns it and it's very wrestler friendly. Um, and, and and he talked about me coming in um, and and being like their like their their sting is, is the way that he put it. Mm-hmm. And so we talked, uh, and, uh, ended up working out. And then it might've been Katie came later. I mean, at first Sabu was there and then Katie was there and I was like, wow, they're really trying to keep me happy. That's cool. That's what it felt like for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but then Sabu wasn't there. And then, uh, I don't know. They turned me heel, and Katie was my manager. Um, uh, there was some, I don't know, it seemed to happen like kind of quick. It's kind of like a big blur. Um, it was quick. I remember too seeing it on TV and stuff. It was around that time when I first interviewed yeah. you. You got, you were like doing the heel turn and all that stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed pretty sudden and stuff. Um, what you mentioned that uh, before too, uh, like how you kind of, it was, little bit anxiety inducing or something to that effect when you were working with her in the ring and like just because of it like just the way you guys yeah talk about that a little bit what was it like working for you guys there because i remember you saying something to that effect of it was being like a little tense or not with you two but just 
worrying about working in the ring together. So. Right, right. Well, so so that's you know gonna uh, right when I'm going out to the ring. I mean, that's pretty much going to be the most intense uh, part of my day, probably. You know, what I mean, I'm all warmed up. I got myself, you know loosened up and i got my brain you know going where man i hope i don't screw up you know and hope i pull off anything that's high risk and i hope you know i, I remember to do everything i want to remember and hope this goes well and and um i mean there's intensity during the match too but i mean like right like right then is is where i you know boom pack all this stuff on because you know an hour before i'm probably relaxing stretching trying to avoid other people that have been worked up all, all afternoon. Um, so at that point, you know, I'm used to, okay, I'm going to handle all the pressure just right now. And, and, and you know what? I got this. I'm, you know, I've relied on myself that, that forever, many years, that's built up a confidence to where I know I can go out there. Even if I, even if I'm like, wait, I keep been uh, forgetting, uh, or I keep, you know, there's, there's a, there's something I, you know, what, I'm, uh, it'll come together. A lot of times I go out there like that, and it's yeah, that's, yeah. that's from experience. Um, but with Katie, um, like her, she'll be like nervous, like that, and she she want to go over like if she's doing something, uh, coming in with a chair, or whatever. She'll want to go over it uh, um, so many times, and I, I, I'm at a, I'm more concerned that that she would screw up that, than I would. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and then also, uh, so that that's a big part of it. Just that, and that, um, and that um, when, or I guess I, I don't come around to being into that high pressured vibration until much later than she would like me to get there <laughs> because you know because like earlier in the day or whatever when they're talking about stuff you know i'm just like yeah it'll work out you know? <laughs> it'll be fine and i think that makes it harder for her you know and yeah because uh, i'm like oh we'll talk about it later and then right before we go out there you know then i'm trying then i'm, I'm used to just bam everything's gonna be cool we got it let's do it and then you know but yeah there's a whole other factor to add to that that's not used to just getting it all bam thrown on and going out there confidently and knowing everything's going to be good and so yeah it just changes the energy up uh yeah. you know it's fun and like i said before i wish we you know it would have been cool to have more time to uh work together and then we could have come across like a husband and a wife that knew each other in the ring a lot more than we actually know each other in the in the ring you know what i mean but it, but but it was fun though um i just you know it, it's something that was uh, still developing you know yeah yeah and i felt that very much too like when you guys because it was something different for you uh to have somebody at your side coming out like that it, like you know not bill alfonso or anybody like that so it was neat to see but yeah to your point it was like there was sparks there and it looked like it was gonna like i would like to see more for it for sure you know yeah mm -hmm. so what like you guys have such a great relationship uh and everything like that what's some advice you would give to people that like are hoping to try to get achieve the same thing with their relationships or trying to get into a relationship what would if you had to give some advice in regards to what people well, are looking for what what would you do well so uh, I mean, yeah, first off, think about what what it is that you're looking for. And if it's something that's uh, selfish <laughs> because you want because you want uh, someone that'll uh, bust their ass and, and be there for you and be loyal to you, but at the same time, 
you want to fuck around on her and have a whole bunch of other girls and stuff, then basically you want a girl that wants to be with an asshole. So what kind of what kind of girl is that? You know, uh, people a lot of times are mad that their other significant other doesn't trust them, but it's because they don't deserve trust. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> People hurt each other. They hurt each other. And then, like, I know we know so many people that uh, are, are are together years past a, uh, a what do you call it, an indiscretion. You know, years past somebody getting caught cheating and, and, and they're still brokenhearted, like, years past, and, and they still remember it. And it's like, what a thing to do to the person that you're going to spend the whole your whole life with is to – Break their heart so that instead of them admiring you and thinking you're the greatest person they could be with, instead they think you're an asshole and they owe you one. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and, and, and you know, like everybody messes up, but again, it's priorities, and, and it's you know, people get married too young when they're not ready, uh, or they they want to have wild sex parties, but they want to be married to someone that. Uh, We'll just be uh, home with take care of the kids like Little Miss uh, Homemaker. And then uh, and they want everything. And it's like, hey, I get it. You know, a lot of people want the the rock and roll lifestyle. And uh, if that's what you want, then then uh, I'm not here shaming you for it. But for, uh, you know, for breaking the hearts of those that are closest to you and hurting that relationship. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a real good decision and uh, um, besides uh, you know maybe they're not the closest ones to you after all and then they think they are and then what then you're basically wasting their life as someone's daughter or someone's son or whatever and, and and they're living a lie thinking that you are devoted to them when in fact you're not at all that's you know uh, it's Seeing the big picture like I do now, that's how I see that, you know. And it's like when I was in my early 20s, mid 20s, uh, even uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I, how old was I anyway? Yeah, early 20s, mid 20s, you know, I was, I was uh, definitely looking back, you know, I was definitely like a major a hole. Uh, and and I, I'm so glad that I grew from that. When I recognize that in other people, I'm just like, oh my God, that like that person has so much growing to do if they will. Yeah. Because I'm so not that person that that would uh, wait till the girlfriend that I was staying with, living at her place on her dime, and then she go to work, and I'd have. The, uh, the neighbor that lives a couple apartments down come over and bang her on this girl's couch. You know what I mean? And it's like, and, and at the time it was like, yeah, I'm a stud. And now I'm like, what a jerk. And like, man, I, I hope I paid all that karma back. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how life works. It comes around, you know, but again, I do everything to avoid drama now. So that's my number one goal in life and that's that's the foundation behind all of my decisions so that's that's why i look at it the way that i do that's a, that's a, definitely a good foundation to have is avoid drama <laughs> no doubt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. well cool that's what i was really neat to kind of talk about and um yeah i think katie's great and you guys have such a great relationship so it's, it's kind of cool to see that all so. yeah. 
Uh, thanks for sharing that. So, all right. It's Rob Randam match. And we're going to hit it. Um, and today's match, it took place on June 27th, 1998. But it actually aired on July 4th of 1998. Do you know which one I might be talking about, Rob? It. It, it 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 aired on July fourth, nineteen ninety. You said nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. Here's the singlet you wore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think is that a match with uh, Jerry Lynn? No, nope. I don't know. Okay, it's when you and Sabu won the tag team titles against oh, okay. Lance Storm and Chris Candido. So. Dudes, yep. Sabu threw me in, and I had to like roll and cover Lance Storm for the win. I remember that. Now that that was my Terry Taylor story. <laughs> that was your Terry Taylor. Hey, if you see Taylor, tell you Terry, tell him oh. looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Let's see here. Looking at the notes, you and Sabu had an interesting angle going on at the time. You were a team, but you're also let's call it friendly rivals. We're about a month removed from your match. He was jealous. He was jealous. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. You're about a month removed from your match with him at Wrestlepalooza, which we covered uh, at the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, we talked about it a few weeks ago. What are your memories of the angle with Sabu? Did you guys think you were going to wrestle each other again soon on a pay-per-view, or was that not really talked about too much? You guys wouldn't actually wrestle each other until Guilty as Charged in January 2000. So, Was there any talks about you guys like going to butt heads earlier on Afterwards, when that happened at WrestleMania, uh, I have no idea. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh. Well, leading up to this match, you four competed in a dream partner match at the ECW Arena during the Matter of Respect 1998 event. You team with Lance Storm to take on his partner Chris Candido and your partner Sabu. The match ended in a no contest when Storm hit everyone with the chair and was about to hit you, but you stopped him and reminded him that you two are partners. And then you hit him with the Vindaminator, hard-weighing him badly. <laughs> you oh, hard-weighed Lance? You hard-weighed Lance, uh-huh. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then you and Sabu left Chris Lang, and then you finally showed up. Sabu, uh, respect pu pu publicly by high-fiving him to a big pop. Do you have any memories of that at all in the match? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no big deal. But... Um, but but I'm thinking, you know, like I had that match with Sabu, Matter of Respect, which, you know, which is where um, when I first came in and started the angles with Sabu uh, and, and got the song from. Uh, um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, thank you yep. um, to, to go with that. So that was definitely 96. How was there a Matter of Respect 98? Did that become or was that an annual pay-per-view? Maybe it was before I even got there. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been. Um, this was, yeah, according to Chris here, yeah, uh, matter of respect. Okay. 98, so, uh, I'll do. I'll follow up on that though. For sure. Well, here, how about this? What did you think about Chris and Lance as a team? Did you enjoy the matches that you and Sabu had with them, uh, like them vibing up with one another? Um. Yeah, I knew that it was going to be um, a good match. Mm -hmm. I knew that they were going to uh, probably maybe complain about my stiffness if I was stiff. <laughs> I mean, those would just be two guys, you know, that would, that would, that would point it out or something maybe, you know, um, 
but um, I like both of them and the crowd liked both of them, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good team. I think they were good friends, so it seemed natural to me, you know. There's, I think that uh, Lance traveled with uh, Chris and uh, um, Tammy, if I'm not mistaken, so uh, they were they were definitely a good team, and, you know, I don't remember what happened when we beat them for the gold or when, or what I was eating when I was first told that we might be the champions or what, what shirt I had on. No, I don't know, man. You remember, but, but you remember, like I said, like when we talked about the Cena uh, match and uh, the questions, like when they were kind of marky like that about, uh, when did you know this or that or whatever stuff that he's dying to know, you know, uh, if you remember how I answered that, um, and got emotional. Um, I, it was like I did not allow myself to believe it anyway, so I don't even know because anytime something was mentioned, you have to take it with a grain of salt. At least I felt like you did. You had to if you were me because that's how I would deal with stuff. They could have said, hey, uh, you know, we're going to uh, – you're going to win the, uh, the the battle royal tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay. It just, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't – that doesn't mean it's going to happen anyway. And right. – uh, I got used to, I got forced to learn that the hard way after being there, you know, right. So I wasn't like, hey, I thought I was supposed to win the Battle Royal. You know, instead it was just like, oh yeah, I get it. That's how most things happen. So it wasn't until I beat Cena, uh, it wasn't until that three count anyway that I then allowed myself to believe that I would be uh, in that championship spot at, at that time. So. You know, I, so it's not like uh, it's not like uh, there's meetings, you know, like after the show and like, oh, you know, what are me and Sabu going to have the, the belts? You know, like, I think it should be at, um, no way out or no forgiving. <laughs> I don't know, man. Whatever. The different times. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to kind of get your reaction on this. Um, So I found this clip. Now, this interviewer backstage uh, promo you guys did i think aired it was the week before the match or two weeks before the match i can't remember either way it's great it speaks to what you were saying about you getting your confidence and on behind the mic and stuff like that so let's let's check this out real quick so no I, it speaks to what you were saying rob right. definitely feeling the vibe of it all <laughs> yeah yeah um and I, I miss having uh, Sabu to play off of too, you know, like that yeah, because you're like, hey, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> like it's just like, yeah, definitely. And like him not saying anything's great too. I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had the RVD yet, you know, because because for a while I would just I would just kind of keep it up there, and not really do the uh, one for each letter of my initials. <laughs> no. I think it was a like definitely cool stuff, and then I think the following week, then Chris and uh, Lance responded to you guys, but I don't have that clip. But either way, so you we talk uh, talked about a little bit. Um, the finish here was kind of cool because you guys, you and Sabu ended up winning the match, and the titles were put. Uh, you put Chris through the table at the same time. You guys did, you know, Sabu did the leg drop, and then I you think you did the five star or, or splash through the table, and that's how you guys got the win ultimately. But the pop you guys got was nuts. It was one of the biggest pops in the history of the ECW arena. Whoa. Oh, yeah. So did it feel pretty good to win the tag team titles? Like, was that like, hey, all right, that's uh, something else and kind of validate you and Sabu's like pairing together and everything like that? 
it felt incredible. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, man, it was uh, the Sheik's boys, uh, you know, collecting all the gold. So that's cool. That's definitely cool. That's definitely cool. And yeah, this made you double champion. You held the TV title at the same time. Uh, which, which is the only time I like to have a belt on my waist. When I have two belts, which I've had several times throughout my career, I like to have it around my waist. Otherwise, I hate that. I just want to have it on my shoulder. So yeah. I will have it. I'll have the belt snapped up waiting for me before I go through the curtain so I can put my arm through it, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody always, there's some idiot that thinks they're helping by unsnapping it so they can put it on my waist. And I'm like, dude, snap that fucking thing back up. Grab it from him. Stupid. Give me that shit. Did, now, you just didn't like how it felt on the waist or like just how it looked? What, what was it? Just your preference kind of thing. Um, well, I know that I liked the two championship belts because it felt like armor. You know, it felt like I was man at arms from He-Man, Master of the Universe. Like I was shielded. You go ahead, shoot me. Dude, you can't. Um, and I think, I don't know, like with the belt, I just, you know, I like to hold it. And a lot of times my music would hit and I'd be back there, oh, snap, 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 because some idiot unsnapped it, you know, and now I got to snap at least a few of them so it doesn't break when I go out there because I like to have it around my shoulder. You know, I go, I put it on my shoulder, high five everybody. And then I like diving under the bottom rope and rolling and then going up, you know, and putting my hands up. Uh, same thing I do with or without the belt, but it's so easy to do with the belt right here and then just like hold it up. It up. And uh, I just, I like doing that over, you know, trying to slide under the bottom rope without um, the bottom rope unsnapping it and just going real slow, like, uh, like a turtle. <laughs> let, it, let the other guys be a turtle. I'm the whole fucking right. show, damn it. That's right. The whole fucking show, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fonzie on a live. Uh, we'll do yeah. a live with Fonzie sometime. I think that would be great. We should definitely do that. Definitely do that. Get another RVD roundtable happening. And Sabu, yeah. Sabu. Oh, that'd be badass. Yep. Heck yeah! All right, Shane Douglas was the world champ at the time, but he was out with some injuries during this time. He was actually comment commentating this match with Joey Styles. You said you felt like you became a superstar when you won the, te- the TV title from Bam Bigelow. When you won the tag titles here and became w- a double champion, did you feel like now you were the man, the top guy in ECW? Or, or is it like, all right, I still want to get the world title? Mm, I don't think my head, I don't think I was even paying attention to what was going on with the world um, yeah. title. Yeah, I was just, I was on my own path, loving it, and, you know, hit that destination point, goal achieved, bam, and just, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, that's what my fans were watching, and that's what they were going to continue watching, was me on on my path of Van Damage, and, uh, and so, you know, it was a while until until I thought about um, the idea of building up Mike Awesome and RVD when the company was growing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely on your own path. And, like, 
kind of the neat thing about it too is like yeah you had this television title and then you established it in a lot of ways so pretty darn neat all right all right so it's uh we'll only do a couple of ask rvds here before we close it out with rvdology uh let me see here we'll, we'll save this one this one we talk somebody's asked about uh AJPW, but we'll, we'll hold off on that because I'm sure you can expand on that a little bit. But so something neat that was that I was on a New York Jets podcast, uh, and the guy was a huge wrestling fan, and he uh, actually knows about um, what are they? Uh, your old team uh, tag team partner from uh, NCW, is it uh, the in Vegas? Uh, yeah, Bill Bradley is that his name or, or Bobby? Bob Bradley, yeah. yeah. Uh, Talk about that a little bit. He was really he was talking about that quite a bit to me, and I was like, "Oh, I got to mention that's Rob." So yeah, my first time coming to Las Vegas was a uh, promoter named TC Martin, mm-hmm. and uh, he he had um, taken over pretty much from. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. We well, wouldn't care except for. It's a uh, unsolved mysteries episode on, on Netflix. Like who who killed the promoter before TC Martin? Uh, not who, but Diddy. It was a crazy. Yeah, it was the yeah big. Anyway, uh, we can come back to everyone. It's Buffalo Jim was the guy, the local guy. He was he was a local wrestler. He promoted shows, and uh, he had an, an office that was um, on the corner of this big uh building that was a strip club that the 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 mafia ran chicago mafia and uh and uh they fought all the time they wanted to buy him out they wanted him to leave he wouldn't do it he was uh keeping a a stooge list telling the fbi about everything they were doing they had all kinds of shams they had uh, rick rizzolo was was the guy that was uh, uh that was running it and uh Man, like Spalatro's brothers were there, and the uh, the cop that was in uh, Joe Belaski, the cop turned mobster, uh, and Godfather worked there. He was one of the guys there too during this time. Man, it's it's great. He knows he knows a lot of stories. But but anyway, uh, at this time, <laughs> they were they would they were really taking advantage of the customers. It was Crazy Horse too, and uh, customers would come in. And they, the girls would like get him drunk and then ring up a huge, ridiculous bill. Uh, and if they complained, the bouncers would take him outside and beat him up in the parking <laughs> lot. You know, yeah, it was crazy. They had possibly an escort service in the limousine, all kinds of crazy shit. They quadru- they killed the one, one guy was a, um, a quadriplegic, they didn't kill him. Um, it, it was in the back parking lot, paralyzed the rest of his life. And so, anyway. This dude, Buffalo Jim, uh, kept on top of all that, and then he ends up dead. And uh, if you want to watch the episode, um, it's it's called um, "Death in a Hotel," and um, it's 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 last year's 2022 October uh, season of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Great episode. I've always been into that because I love the mobsters stuff, but also they could do like a whole other movie. Uh, basically, if there was a sequel to uh, to um, Casino, it would it would lead right into Crazy Horse Two, and that was uh, the the Chicago mob as well. Plus, some guys from New York and crazy, crazy. But anyway, 
<laughs> my first few times going out to Vegas, uh, that dude, Buffalo uh, Jim, was on those shows, and he gave guys air. He might have given me a ride from the airport one time. I'm not sure. It's so long ago, my my memory's fuzzy. I think maybe he did, but Sabu knew him really well. Um, but anyway, T.C. Martin takes over, and he makes me a tag team with this guy, Bobby Bradley, because Bobby could do moonsaults and flying head scissors and stuff. And so we were the aerial assault. And so that was uh, when I just started getting my outfits airbrushed and stuff because I was wrestling for Baba. And so uh, we had a, uh, made a couple for him that matched my first couple, which are pr pretty um, – I don't want to say lame, but really not that detailed. My first thought was I wanted a little silhouette of me doing a flying sidekick in the air and mm -hmm. a lightning and a lightning bolt is my pathway. I'm in front of it. And that was what it was on a red outfit, on a blue outfit. Bobby had a blue outfit with it. And uh, we did a lot of cool, fun tag team moves. You know, he had been wrestling with the Mexican wrestlers. He was from California and uh, Vegas, uh, this, this area that – uh, I was still on the East Coast then, and so uh, we did a lot of cool stuff. You know, I he would run, I would throw him over me, and he would Franken get someone a Hurricane Rana. You know, and he would do the Hurricane Rana off of my shoulders, off the top rope. You know, he would, I'd have the guy up on my shoulders, and he would Hurricane Rana the guy. But we stole that from I think it was Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar at that Mexican uh, When Worlds Collide pay per view. Um, but did a lot of cool moves and had fun. We both liked diving to the floor, moon salts, all, all kinds of stuff. So we were aerial assault, and uh, sometimes they're commentating. They call us Robbie and Bobby. Robbie, <laughs> and Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. I got him booked in uh, all Japan, and um, he did a tour over there and had a lot of fun uh, also as my partner. Uh, when Baba said that he wanted me to find a partner, you know, but – um, he didn't, he didn't, uh, cut the, um, make the cut, you know, as far as that goes in the, in Baba's eyes, as far as what they were looking for, for a new partner for me. Uh, they were looking at Mike Lazansky, the Canadian tiger. Um, but Bobby, he could do all these moves, but he wasn't visually appealing outside of the moves. You know, he didn't work out didn't look like he worked out you know kind of had a bit of a pear shape kind of and was balding and so um there was a lot there's only so much i could do for him he was like i'm gonna do whatever you say rob you know you got me you said you'd get me in japan and you did you know and he's like i owe you um and i was just like um you know i, I can only do what i can do bro you know yeah, right hey rob it's time to wrap it up we're there yeah. again huh? we're here again it is RVDology. Okay. Uh, well, you heard, heard me uh, say this a couple times uh, during the episode. At least I noticed it, as I always do, because that's that's what's going to happen, you know, with these, with these principles. I'm going to point it out. But uh, everything is subjective, okay? So for me, when I said that I avoid drama, I mean, that's – Actually, you know, I love it when at the end of the episode I can like go back and piece different parts of it together and like bring it all in, make it make sense, you know? Like like Hannibal, I think his name was in the A team, when he said, I love it when a plan comes together. So 
Um, you know, I, I, I went through uh, a uh, really rough time, really rough time. I had like a, a couple of years, you know, when the marriage was on the rocks, falling apart, where uh, I was drinking a lot and, and things were pretty, things were pretty shitty overall. Um, and I talked about that uh, rock bottom. And I talk a lot about it uh, on tonight's episode, and there's a reason. Uh, but out of that, you know, out of that bullshit was this beautiful flower. And uh, and that would be uh, Katie. Amazingly, I met her right then, and she ended up being, like, the best, the best uh, part of my life as well. But um, I had to rebuild myself because I was, like, so, so down – and, uh, and and when I did, I had to I, I had to put my spirit first. So I reprioritized. I had to. I, it was out of necessity. And, and since then, my spirit still always is is first. Like I make my decisions based on that. You know, how much is it going to bring my spiritual vibration down? Is that worth what? the compensation is or the opposite, whatever. So because of that, um, I avoid drama. Like I said, you know, drama, fighting, uh, arguing, that kind of stuff brings my, brings my vibe down. Now, a good debate has a good place uh, anywhere. I uh, avoid like unnecessary conversation a lot of times. I mean, unless I'm in a silly mood, you know, and, uh, and and I'm the quiet guy, so yeah, you could say, "Oh, you must be real fun at a party." No, the person that's trying to be loud and obnoxious to me, uh, to me, that's annoying. But it might be cool for you if that's what you're used to. If you if you and your family is loud, I probably will find that um, disruptive to my zen, as as I often do find loud people. But that's just subjective. That's uh, that's f for me. And, and so uh, the other day I was on the airplane and this lady was so loud behind and uh, she was nice, but you know, she was, but it was, she was so loud and she was annoying and she was rude. Not just cause her voice, because she was loud. She was like, so how many times have you been to Vegas or, or how long are you staying? You know, seven days. Oh my God. Wow, I'm jealous. I wish I should have done seven days. Anyway, to to further cement uh, and confirm that she was rude, she had some little video that she was watching on full blast. Who does that on the airplane? She was watching the Kardashians, and they were talking about Travis uh, Barker or whatever. I could hear it. I couldn't help but hear it. Who does that without headphones? And listens on full blast, so everybody has to hear it. I just thought, wow, that that lady's obnoxious. But that's for me. I mean, you know what? That might be you. That might be your best friend, your sister, your mom, whatever. And maybe that's cool with you. For me, that's 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 not uh, my cup of tea. That's, I don't like to be uh, around that. And, and and you might find that that boring. But that's what that's what subjective means. Everything is subjective and a lot of time is wasted arguing over stupid things if i would have known when i was a kid 
if somebody would have schooled me on RV theology and just said, hey, you know what? Everything is subjective, dude. So there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to opinions. If I would have learned that, all the time I could have saved arguing over stupid stuff like who's the better superhero, you know, or uh, <laughs> or who, who's cooler, or who's the better looking girl. Dude, there's not an actual, but bros will still spend time, and bros spend a lot of time doing things that uh, are, would be disruptive to my zen. But, but that's one of them. They're constantly judging each other. They're constantly in competition, and they could actually have a conversation that could last a half hour. Bro. Dude, David thinks that Michelle's hotter than Nicole. What? Can you believe that? Dude, there isn't a right or wrong answer because everything is subjective. So I just think that you should keep that in mind. Um, and it'll help a lot of things if, like me, you would rather just be passive and understand things instead of confronting them. You know, Um a lot of people's idea of paradise is way different. And when we grow up, ideas are passed on to us from our parents, elders, people that we respect. You know, so if if you if if mom and dad thought that living in a cabin out in the middle of the woods away from everybody is paradise, having four miles of property and, and not having to worry about anybody seeing what you're doing. If that's their idea of paradise, then that's great. But it's not everybody's. And to me, that sounds like hell. Get me out of the fucking woods, please, immediately. <laughs> Move that cabin up to closer to the street, you know, something. Uh, that That's not for me, okay? Um, some people, hey, man, there's nothing better than relaxing on a Sunday noon, out in the boat, in the middle of the pond, fishing. Okay, great. But please understand that's subjective to you and your views and your principles. So don't be confused and shocked if uh, somebody else doesn't find that to be their ideal uh, way of passing the day, My, myself included, you know? Um, I took uh, offense to somebody on Twitter uh, one day when I was having my conversations with my uh, followers. Someone said, if you think sugar is bad for you, you're just stupid. And I responded because I was thinking, hey, I don't want this guy telling my followers that sugar is good for them. It's one of the worst drugs there is out there. And, and it's it's horrible, you know? And, and so I said, uh, hey, you're just stupid, period. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I was like, "Well, what are you talking about? You're talking about glucose in in, in your bloodstream." Uh, anyway, I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, that's subjective too. Like, what if your goal is you want to be sick? What if you want to die? Then sugar is great for you, right? Then it's great for your goals. So, uh, when you think about it, even when it comes like that, everyone wants to say you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Well, guess what? That is subjective based on you, based on uh, your values, you know. You could say, hey, dancing is the funnest time ever. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I'm not going to – I don't enjoy the concept. You're not going to see me on the dance floor. Uh, and you're not going to see me being the loud guy that has to have everyone's attention. Why? 
I'm fulfilled in that area. I'm an entertainer when I'm working. So when I'm not working, I'm fine with the loud guy, uh, except he's obnoxious. But I'm, I'm fine with him getting all the attention and everybody uh, just go ahead and leave me alone. Just let me have my beer in the corner. That's me in the corner. <laughs> um, uh, I also, you know, usually we talk about last week and maybe you might have learned from it. And, uh, and how you could have applied that, you know, over the week. Last week, we talked about uh, how perception is reality, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, that same thing, all of this stuff is related because it's real. That's why it all works together in a very compatible way. Uh, if you're, you know, th- think about, you know how, um, you know how people when they have their first drink of beer, they get silly, they get drunk. Experienced drinkers could laugh at saying, huh, I remember when I had my first beer too because the person's acting like they can't handle it, right? Right, right. People don't think about that with marijuana. Why? Because although over 50% of the country's adults admit to having smoked it, most of them don't smoke it often or regularly. And that doesn't mean smoking a bowl uh, once a week on on Fridays before you go out, because that's not going to get your tolerance up. So most people, uh, because perception is reality, they think that when they smoked that one time and it got them really goofy and they couldn't they couldn't find their keys in their own pocket, they think that's how everybody else is when they're smoking. But it's just like with drinking. Like any experienced smoker would look at the way uh, cannabis consumers are portrayed by the proud ignorant in the same way. People think, you know, <laughs> but really, like, that's when you start out. And if you don't um, go anywhere with it, then fine. But if that's your only memory of it and you're thinking, I don't think somebody should smoke and get behind the uh, steering wheel of a car. And it's based on that one time that you were stupid. Well, guess what? It can think about it more about like when you had your, your your first beer, but to those people, perception is reality. And, and then also um, in the, in the same regard, you know, that's uh, um, the, the, the idea of how cannabis uh, affects somebody is completely subjective to so many factors, so many factors, you know, how about this? If I told you, and this is a made-up number, but if I told you that there was uh, 150,000 car crashes a year in the United States where uh, marijuana was a factor, what if I told you, just open up your mind and think, what if marijuana was on the scene but really wasn't a factor in how the accident happened? Could that be possible? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they get their statistics. What if it wasn't even just on the scene, like found in the car? What if it was in the person's body? Because marijuana will still show up in your body for 30 days after you smoke, depending on how much you smoked and how often you smoke. So they're going to get these statistics by saying he had marijuana in his in his system when it had nothing to do with what happened to cause that accident. If you can open up your mind enough just to think, wow, you know, even statistics are subjective 
two factors, then then I, hopefully I'm preventing you from being so much of a sucker that you hear everything and you just take it without questioning it. They just throw numbers out there and it's like, is that uh, is that a global um, number or is that a national number? They don't even bother saying that because people just automatically get that get the facts. Wow, um, there's uh, 400,000 people a year that die. Like what? It, you don't even know. You don't even know what they're telling you and they don't know either. And uh, so statistics, what aren't subjective is facts, okay? Uh, if you want to say, um, okay, which baseball player hit the the most amount of balls in his career? Well, guess what? That's a fact somewhere. So mm -hmm. if someone's arguing with that, then there should be resources for one of you to just clearly win that. If you want to say who's the better ball player, that's subjective. Everything is. Yeah, how about that? And you're right, too. It's like I think about, you know, like my brother, he would want to live out in the middle of nowhere, like away from everybody. I could not stand it. I would go nuts. I could not do it. And so it's just like, but that's his version of like where uh, his ultimate place to live and everything like that. Not for me. No way. And so. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people think about all the people that argue about the bands, you know, or the music or, you know, who's who's the, who's the better rock and roll legend or who it's it, even who's the better wrestler. You know what I mean? Like there isn't a winner to those arguments. So unless you're just enjoying wasting time, which if you want to do that, that that's fine. Um, it's just not a productive thing to do. And a lot of times uh, it's it's downright conflicting with being productive yeah you see it all the time on social media <laughs> all the yeah. time <laughs> hey but what what about uh and it, what happened to you during the week where where you said hey you know what that's right perception is reality well you know what i i, I always factor it into with a family and how it like just reverted back to like my perception of what fatherhood is or what um you know uh living the life of you know an adult is like anything to that effect like it made me kind of very much think about the different elements of how i am now an adult and how i perceive that as a kid is very different from what it actually was in my perception of it all and then like you know and then i think too of my you know my brother has a daughter and stuff like that and how he handles his daughter is completely different how my dad handled us and stuff like that it's just you know how but how we perceived it all was that's the way life is and that's the way family is and it's completely different so th yeah. that's always a constant running through my head so percept yeah perception is always something very key with me <laughs> yeah a lot of fans will watch these clips on youtube and uh whether or not it's worth them hitting the like button and helping us out that's subjective to them whether it's worth it it might not be worth it you know there's usually like three people maybe that for them they're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and hit this like button. But for some people, they're like, nah, nah, man. You got to work harder than that, man. You want me to hit like? <laughs> they hold they hold that power in uh, high prestige. So They do. Uh, they, they, they hold it all. <laughs> by, the, by the way, I'm not, I've been trying to keep up with some of the YouTube, uh, you know, the, the comments on there and stuff, which, you know, if that's why you're not commenting, Dude, I'm reading a lot of them, but I I, I took a screenshot of this because it was so funny and relevant, as I said, it always is. But 
Something about uh, Vince. There was a clip that we talked about about Vince and his response after I got busted with the cannabis. Yeah. And uh, somebody wrote. Um, somebody wrote that they they got what they deserved, especially Rob. How irresponsible they they couldn't even wait to uh, to get high until they got to the hotel room, especially when everyone's like investing money in you, and uh, something like that. And I was thinking, you know, perception is reality. You know what I mean? Like to this person, although not only were we not smoking in the car, but I've never, ever even seen that reported anywhere. This yeah. kid, this kid's comment is the first time I'd heard it reported that we couldn't wait to get to the hotel room and we were smoking. And that's why, and that was his issue, you know. And, um, but anyway, uh, the, the, the weed was rolled up in a bag in the center console, and I didn't even get arrested. But to this kid, in his mind, maybe it was his teachers or something, you know, that taught him, you know, Rob and Sabu were smoking while they were driving, and that's that's how they ruined their career. You know, perception is reality. So if there's other people out there, that to them – it went down a complete different way than it actually went down. And they'll always think that. Right. And it goes back to what you were saying too, a few weeks, even before about assuming, you know, it all works together. I'm glad you understand the the net of, of values and the energy that links them all together. Hopefully, hopefully we got some other people uh, that, that, that they get it as well. You know, when I did the signing last week and where I was, I had New Jersey um, had some fans tell me they enjoy the podcast and tell me that they enjoy the the RV theology we do at the end and how it, uh, some people tell me how it's helped them out or whatever. So that's very encouraging, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's what fucking like button or I'll hit your face. Right, right. That's not subjective. <laughs> <laughs> An RVD stiff kick is not subjective. He'll let you know. <laughs> well, cool, Rob. You're going? Are you going to Knoxville this weekend? Is that where you're heading to? Yeah, uh, fanboy. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Just a limited time on Saturday, though. I'll only be there in the morning. Oh, okay. So if you guys are watching this on premiere, be sure to, if you're in the Knoxville area, go say hi to Rob. And, the, and there's a lot of cool other stuff going on there, too. So cool. Um, yeah, this has been a good episode. Uh, it was neat to hear about Katie and neat to kind of get your perspective on all that. So my favorite subject. YouTube <laughs> Well, guys, yes, like Rob said, be sure to give us a like on there if you're liking the clips. Uh, feel free to comment. Uh, Constructive criticism is always good. You want to trash me? Fine. I, that's okay with me, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. And, uh, yes, um, if you want to get Rob, hit Rob up on Twitter at the Real RVD. Hit me up on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. Follow the pod at RVD Pod, and that's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. But look above. Go to RVDPod.com. You can see all the clips there. And if you want to watch the full episode, you can only get that on the Premier Streaming Network. So every Friday at 420. But the podcast, the audio version, releases every Monday, Mr. Monday Night at 420. So, guys. Thank you, Dom. Yep. Thank You're you. You're awesome Rob. host. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks. You make it easy, Rob. You make it easy. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> Let's do it again next week. We'll see you guys next time here awesome. on was waiting for some kind of sign, some kind of indication I was wasting my time, I got myself about the bed.
my shoes. 